0: Today I am so excited to have the amazing Shamika Allen Lane on the podcast and we're going to be talking about the effects of racism and racism from our history through generations and also corporate racism and how it plays out in a person of color's life and it affects their self-esteem and how it can be very confusing and detrimental and you know this is a perfect opportunity to look at yourself look where you work if you own a company or you're a part of the HR department or just hiring firing it doesn't matter are you a a part of the problem or the solution. So stay tuned and let's do this. Hello, everyone. This is Meredith with a Y and I am your host, Meredith Willits. Today, we are going to go deep, changing lives, and I am giving you the keys to the castle. So I'm so excited to have you here today, my dear Shamika, and I'm so excited for the listeners to hear your story and your family's story and where where you're coming from and how you got to where you're at today. So thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. I love it. I'm so excited. And I actually, as everyone knows, I I talked to people prior to the recording and it's so amazing how much your story has stayed with me. And I've been so excited to bring your story to the listeners because I know it's going to stay with them because as a white person and for the white listeners, we saw the story of the kid with the hair you know, you're wrestling, cut it. And we're like, yeah, your hair's long, just cut it. This is going to give, and your story is going to give a lot more depth to background and what it's really like and what is going on in the corporate world. So please tell us, because, because you have, you're an event planner, you're an amazing entrepreneur, among other things. So what are you doing now? I want everyone to hear.
1: Sure, and and I'm I'm apologizing in advance. As you mentioned, I am a events professional, mm-hmm. and I am used to being behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> Used to be behind the scenes, and I have different equipment that I use for that. So I'm doing some earbuds today. So, excuse me if I'm kind of touching them, making sure that they're there and in and, and fine. Oh, you're so good! But <laughs> in terms of what I'm doing right now, I have a company that I own called Catalyst Event Coaching, and essentially, I empower nonprofits and growing companies to execute their events at the interception of purpose and profit. And so that's done through training, actually event management and coaching.
0: So you, so I misspoke then you, and I now that you're saying it, I'm remembering. So you're kind of like the coach of the event planners, you're teaching them what to do.
1: So that is a part of it. And I Mm. actually help companies and nonprofits. So a lot of who I work with currently because of what's going on with the pandemic, it's more of nonprofits because if they don't do anything, they may not exist. (laughs) this pandemic is over. And so some of them have, you know, they find it necessary to do events right now. Some of the corporations and things like that, of course, they're kind of backing down and slowing down on that. A lot of them don't even have a full workforce right Mm -hmm. now. So it's nonprofits that I'm focused on at the moment. And
0: do you work with nonprofits all over the country doesn't matter we can do it virtually you'll do any kind of events and help them get those going now so so yeah so you can work with anyone so that's exciting yes yes okay but but you haven't always done
1: this i actually have been a part of the hospitality industry really all of my life
0: Uh yeah right
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, My father owned a restaurant growing up. And so as a child, I was there trying to help out with that every opportunity I could, they waited till I got of a certain age to allow me to help out a little bit more. So that's always been a part of me. But in terms of me going into this as a career path, I switched gears from my original career, which was supposed to be in engineering, and got exposed to <laughs> to events through pursuing the engineering career. Oddly enough, that's funny. And so, I... <laughs> that's that's a that's a bivouac left. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. So. I went to get a master's in hospitality management and tourism and came to one of the hospitality capitals in really the world, but definitely our country. But um, when I came down, I did do a lot in the hotel industry. So that's where I've spent a lot of my events career. And you're in Orlando. I am.
0: Okay. But you, so let's, let's back up. So you're a mom, you're a wife for eight years. Yes. You have a child? Yes. Four yes, year old? I have a four-year-old. Yes. Okay. Cause I wrote yes. four years, but I didn't, <laughs> I didn't write the word child next to it. It's like, and what's this for? <laughs> I know what's four years mean. Your husband is also black, but he yes. grew up in Germany.
1: So yes, he didn't grow up all of his childhood in Germany, but there was maybe about four or five years. Mm-hmm. So they were the impressionable years, I would say. So majority of his elementary years were in Germany. And then he came back to the States.
0: And such a different experience than your yes. experience because you grew up across grew the bridge.
1: Up, yes. I, I grew up in Georgia. So Bible Belt South.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Different experience. So very
1: different experience than him in, in And really different than growing up, I would say, where I live now in Orlando. Very different.
0: Yeah, because I have here uh, rural Black Georgia. Yes. And across the
1: bridge from Selma, remind me. Our connection to Selma, anyone that had seen the movie Selma, there's a scene that they talk about the city I'm from. I'm from Albany, Georgia, Mm -hmm. originally. So it's Southwest Georgia. So it is a distance from Selma. But the thing that's significant about it is, as far as civil rights is concerned, with the era of Martin Luther King, they actually did come to Albany to try to make some changes and some things happening there they did not get a lot of traction Mm -hmm. in Albany. And basically that's what's referred to in the movie that they actually learned a lot of lessons in Albany, because our sheriff that was there at the time, he was humane. He didn't just treat people any kind of way. I mean, the laws were the laws, but he didn't treat people any kind of way. So it made it very difficult for them to have. Can't fight against change. Yeah. You can't (laughs) fight against something that's not fighting against you.
0: So interesting. Yeah. Right. So, and, and this is what I think is. So we become by way of where we've been And so not only you have the history of the Albany, you have the history of Martin Luther King, you have the history of, I mean, the deep South, right? Like that's it. But then you also have a family history that also shaped your journey and the way that white people and black people and the, the constructs of all right, we need to figure this out for our granddaughter, our daughter, and help her through this. As I know, and as I've talked about in the series, so many of us do. It doesn't matter what color you are. We are trying to make a better world. We try to make it easier. We try to prepare our children for the world that they are going to encounter, because we cannot change the world. I mean, absolutely, you and I are today. I mean, clearly, <laughs> but, but we're to make an impact.
1: We're, sure. making, we're moving those stones.
0: So, but at the same time, we do the best that we can, as did your parents and grandparents, grandpa and family, based on what their perspective was, what absolutely. they had to work with. So, your grandfather was a pastor.
1: Yes. And how did that, how did that play out? Well, interesting enough, my grandfather was not only a pastor, but he was in the military <laughs> yeah, at one point as well. And so it's a lot that goes along with that. Everybody's probably seen movies where you've seen World War Two on up where people uh, were in the military. If you were black, a person of color, and you fought in the war and then you came back and it was totally different treatment than what you received when you were there. And so my grandfather- had similar experiences like anyone else during that time frame. He did not actually fight, thank goodness. By the time he arrived in Germany, they the war was over. And so he was on cleanup duty is, is a lot of what they did. So he had a totally different experience than probably those that were in the war because they saw things that were totally different and interacted with the people more so than those that were fighting. And so that shapes a lot of what he believes in because even my father, who was drafted for the war, he did not join the military. He was in college. He escaped it, but my grandfather did not help him, give him any assistance of thoughts of how to handle and navigate those waters. And so my dad was being drafted for Vietnam. And essentially he found out from someone, a white guy that he was working with in construction, that they would go down and say, I'm in school. And and they <laughs> would try to, you know, repeal the fact of trying to be drafted. My dad was scared for his life. And so he went down there and he was asking my, my grandparents for support to go with him. They did not. My grandfather just believed that it was his duty to just give up his life that way. And my dad was not, <laughs> not having it. <laughs> having that and so he went down there and obviously he was granted that but they told him that he had a certain amount of time to complete school and if he wasn't completed you know he was still going to be drafted by that time frame or of course if he just didn't stay in school so my dad pushed out school as long as he could possibly (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh. Right. So he finished school and just in time for the war to actually end and them stop drafting people. So with my grandfather, being a pastor that was during the era of Martin Luther King. And so being a pastor was very much so associated with that image and the type of person that Martin Luther King was. So it was assumed that if you were a black pastor in the Bible Belt South, that you were trying to start up, you know, instigators, and yeah, yeah, that's, that's what it was assumed. And, you know, Pastors now don't always have to work. Some do, but they don't always have to work. Back then, you needed to work. You didn't live off being a pastor. So you needed to still work. And my grandfather could not find work. He had to come down to Florida, luckily, which wasn't extremely far away. It was about an hour or so away for him to actually find work because they would not give work to him or any other pastors that were Black in the area.
0: Because they were worried that he was going to... That he was, you know, by way of Martin Luther King, this is what you do and this is what you're trying to do, and blah, blah, Absolutely. blah. We don't wanna so, so he was kind of pushed out of actually earning a living because of being a pastor, even though yes. he had just served his country in in, in, a, in a quite amazing way. I mean, I'm sure the things that he saw, although different, were just as horrific and traumatizing. Yes. And he was <laughs> and he was one of the guys in Germany, and then he comes back and he's not. Now we're right. no. And that's what I think is so interesting and and, and just traveling. I don't know how many listeners or yourself have traveled outside of the country, but the white and black experience outside of America is so profoundly different than the white and black experience in America. Mm -hmm. And I know that when we talked about like your husband's experience being in Germany and, and having his formidable years, experiencing being black, Mm -hmm. And growing up was so profoundly different than your experience being Black. Yes. (laughs) Same color, (laughs) same world, but different, different experience, different energy and a different. And that's kind of like, it's so interesting because when I, when I look at these things, I'm like, What, what are we doing wrong? And when I had a conversation with my very first guest, Mejean Williams, we talked about how you're not to touch or even ask to touch a black woman's hair or skin or any of that. And and white people just love to do it. I mean, I don't know what that is, but and I'm telling you, I think it's because we're all dying to have like, you know, amazing hair and we all just don't. And so we're just like, oh God. And we want to be tan and we aren't. So I trust me, it's, it's out of jealousy, but let's be clear on that as as screwed up as it is. And we're not going to ever do it again, listeners and everyone around the world. That's what it is. So, but when I, when, when she was talking to me, what I saw, because I am clairvoyant, I am empathic. I, I literally stepped inside of the space of there's an energetic trauma there. There's an energetic memory to being inspected. And literally the words I was told in my head was on the block. And I mm. was like, I don't know where that just came from, but it sounds like it probably is pretty profound. And so the energetic trauma Mm-hmm. The energetic experience of emotion that lives inside of people of color in this country is not the same as the energetic transference of energy and emotion and experience as people who did not go through, be passed down, is an ancestor of slaves, period. And that is what I think there needs to be. That's the reckoning. When I hear them talking about, uh, what's the word when we pay? Restitution? Reparations. Thank you. Reparations. My brain couldn't get there. <laughs> when we talk about the reparations, I look at that as the come to Jesus moment. And I know that there are a lot of people of color that don't look at, Wait, eh, we don't need reparations. Let's move on from that and all this stuff. We need an accountability. We need a come to Jesus moment of recognizing and, and settling that energy once and for all. And until we do that, our country will always be cursed in my opinion. And I don't mean like in a cursed way, right? I right. mean in a energetic way of cause it's never been forgiven and it's never been forgave. Mm-hmm. It's never been, I'm sorry. Holy shit. This country was built on the blacks of African-Americans that we don't find in other countries. We don't find that. And so I really when I when I was listening to you talk, you know, over our two conversations now, is I'm able to see that that part of people of color that isn't healed yet. And that's where I think this is getting screwed up. Because I always am trying to look at and go. God, how do we get past this? And when you look at people of color in any other country in the world, basically, and they don't have these problems, it only can go back to one thing. I mean, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're right. I think that if I'm wrong. Tell me. Cause I mean, I'm allowed. I mean, no, no, Please. I
1: think you're right. I think there is just like with any trauma that you experience any trauma that you experience you remember it sometimes you don't want to remember it but like you still remember it It still affects your daily life whether you intend for it to or not and in this case with African-Americans, and I usually call myself Black, but I do like to reference African-Americans to try to, you know, give that place setting of what my culture and experience is, is reflective of. But being brought to this country as slaves, that's like generations of things that were taken away from us and not just during the years of slavery, but even after slavery where many laws didn't allow us to do a lot of things that the average American could do. And so people don't think about how that affects things like generational wealth and just other just basic things like black people don't really swim. You know, there's a lot of people that have started to learn to swim. I know how to swim. I'm not a fish, but I know how to swim. My husband doesn't. And, and those are concepts that came from slavery when we weren't allowed to learn wow. how to swim, you know? And so I live in Florida. My son is going to learn how to swim very early. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a matter of life and death. There's
0: a pool in every backyard. Yes. hundred percent.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> But it's simple things like that, that people don't think about something as simple as swimming that, you know, it it affects, it affected us for generations. And although I know many people that love the beach, but still don't know how to swim. And so it affects what they do when they go to the beach, because there's only so much you can do when you don't know how to swim. (laughs) Yeah. And isn't
0: that interesting? Like that memory lives inside of so many people that have no memory as to why there's no memory. They have no reference point. It's just the way it is. Yes, and that's kind of what I am seeing. Is is you know your grandfather had all of these traumas sewn into his sinew. It was sewn into his experience and protection and staying alive and trying to you know get a job and all of these things. And then your parents. That's one one more step. And then you are one more step. And then your Mm -hmm. child is one more step. Mm -hmm. And and removing working through that trauma articulating that trauma being re-traumatized at your job mm-hmm. which we'll talk about but this is where i am is we need to stop traumatizing people we need and we need to make this better by way of stories and getting personal with people and and so if we can go to that place of when you were Did you, you were graduating school and you were getting your first job and you went home. Help me remind, remind me.
1: Yes. So I have natural hair,
0: which I love. Thank you. Not that it, not that it matters what I like, but I do love it. I have, I'm in heaven. Go ahead.
1: Yes. And I love your hair too. I've been making take the whole time. Oh, you're so sweet. But when I moved here, I was not natural. However, I grew up with natural hair growing up. A lot of people didn't have the whole natural hair thing. It it was encouraged at an early age for people to get relaxers or straighten their hair. And in my case, that was not what my parents really pushed or believed in. I couldn't get a relaxer until I was in high school and I played sports. And so I I actually kind of desired a relaxer at that particular point, because it was hard keeping my hair up because I was getting it pressed. And so, either way, fast forward on to to other years when I moved down to Florida. The water was very hard, and just doing weird stuff. And I was like, you know what? I don't know what's going on with my scalp. I'm just gonna go natural. I'm not sure if it's chemicals. I don't know what's happening. Let's just do away with this. And this is around the time that there was what I call a natural hair movement that was happening. We weren't really sure if it was gonna like stay around. If it was a fad, it is not a fad. <laughs> Pretty clear on that. It's not a fad. But at that time, it wasn't at the very beginning, but it was pretty close to the very beginning. And I had just finished graduate school and I was starting to look for a job to get back and out in the workforce. And I was talking to my parents about, you know, where I was looking to go, what was I looking to do? And my dad was like, Are you going to? Go with your hair like that. Like, what? What exactly are you gonna do? Because I want you to be able to get a job. And I'm like, what? What do you? Okay. Well, how am I supposed to have my hair? And so, to support me, my mom came up with the idea of, I'll buy you a wig. You don't even have to buy it. I'll buy you a wig. Wear that. Get the job. Once you're in the job, you can just, you know, go back to wear your hair. Have what you want to wear your hair.
0: So just get it, get in the door with yes. the wig, and then,
1: then let yes. then let them see who you are. Right? Yes, exactly. That's basically what's the point. And so she did. She purchased the wig for me, and I wore it to interviews, and it was a straight wig. So how did with that a little feel? Bob with a bang? Yeah, I
0: mean, but how did that feel for your mom? Because her. It sounds like if she was having you to have natural hair for your childhood that she really embraced African-American, African hair and skin and natural and you're beautiful. And I'm sure like knowing who you are now that all you've accomplished, you have an amazing self-esteem. You were raised by parents who instilled self-esteem, but then there was the pulling back nervousness, which is so interesting because they got it some they or they were feeling that. Why were they all of a sudden Giving into and buying into this, you, you're not you. It, it's just not going to work out. Fear, right, right.
1: I, I really well. It for my dad, like you say, a lot of this just like goes back generations. And with my grandfather not being able to work, uh yeah, my grandmother didn't want them to do a lot of things. She, she didn't want them to go certain place. She was very protective of them. And I think that's the same thing he was doing to me. He was being protective and hoping that this would not hinder any of my potential or progress. Whereas my mom, she would have come to say that to me I think she would have just kind of let me do me she's Mm -hmm. she feels like I can handle myself that's kind of like over the years where she's learned so she's like even if she thought something she would just get out
0: (laughs) right so this was probably coming more from your dad's perspective it's passed down from grandpa's perspective which is black equals you might have a difficult time getting a job so Because grandpa had a difficult time getting a job because he was black. And so let's get in line and code switch. I mean, is is, is hair a form of code switching? Because I know code switching is where you talk different ways. So hair, clothes.
1: Hair is probably more of cold switching than anything else. (laughs) That's probably probably one of the number one cold switchers, especially for many years now, not as much, but for many years, that was one of the number one cold switchers. And to your question earlier about my mom, I, it hurt my feelings. Yeah. It hurt my feelings because, and, and I didn't try to like sit in, My feelings at the time I was trying to be strong because in my mind, when you make a choice like that, you already know you're going to get resistance. You already know someone is going to say something you're not going to like or that you don't agree with or whatever. And so I expected that. And I expected that coming from the black community as well as other communities. I didn't expect it from my parents, particularly my mom. Right. So that's. But again, that goes back to protection,
0: too.
1: Absolutely. I'm sure when, and this is going to
0: trivialize it, but I'm going to bring it to the listener. When we do our projects for our kids at school, Mm -hmm. we're not trusting their abilities. So we're kind of like jumping on and saving them from their failures (laughs) and saving them from themselves. And so I'm sure that was your mom just being like, I don't know what else to do. So I'll just do all the bubble letters and just go ahead. And you know what I mean? Like I'll handle it for you. Like, you know, like we're all of us do it to
1: protect you. Yes.
0: Yeah. All of us do it in some weird way, shape or form, you know? And that was, that was what she knew. And it was probably coming from pressure, like you said, from your dad. And she's just like, all right, I'll just buy the damn wig. Like, let's just get through. Yes. Yes.
1: Let's just get you a job. Let's get the job and let's go on.
0: Let's move on. And then, so, I love it. So you do all your, you know, your interviews and then what?
1: So oddly enough, I was working full time while Mm -hmm. in grad school the whole time. And I stayed with the same company. Opportunity came up with the company and I was like, I'm going to stay here. It's been working out great so far. So let's do this. (laughs) Right. I stayed with my current company. So obviously I had, I didn't have to do a lot of changes to my mm-hmm. hair or anything. You because you were natural at this point. Yes. At so this you, point you, I was natural. You came
0: out of the, the hair closet and you, yes. you showed up as yourself. Yes. You gave up the wig and yes. everything was fine. Yes. And now you're getting hired on like a full-time person and you're still going with that same energy moving forward. I'm going to keep with my hair. I like it this way. And what happened? So
1: remember I said I got like a new position Mm -hmm. and this particular new position was at a different hotel, but it was in the same company and some things had changed in our company a little bit. They had switched up a few of our um, appearance standards, but nothing for me to worry about or at least I thought. And so at this point, I shifted my hairstyle to something a little bit more convenient because I was working a lot of hours mm-hmm. doing events. You do that. <laughs> yeah. That's like all weekend nights. There's nothing yes. convenient about events. Yes. So I, I switched to a hairstyle that was a little bit more convenient for me that I wore as my go-to hairstyle and there were no issues. And then I was like, okay, I'm ready to start trying to do something else different. Like I can't just go to this hairstyle all the time. And at this rate, I'm probably going to like lose my hair because I'm putting tension on it and everything. And so I switched up to a different hairstyle and I was called into HR and HR basically was trying to find a way to tell me my hair was wild. And I was just kind of like, Really, like, of all the days you picked today, and it was the one day I had a different hairstyle than what they were used to. If you let me tell it, the other style was probably a little bit more wilder. And this style definitely took more time and effort (laughs) than the previous style. But it was humid. I live in Orlando, so that happens from time to time. It was humid that day. And so, you know, did the humidity affect it a little bit? Sure. It did, but I don't think it was to a level of, oh my God, what did you do? And it looked like I was unkept. Right. You were conversation. So
0: everyone knows
1: you've been doing a job. You,
0: they know your performance. They yes. know you're good at this. You yes. come in, you're clean, you're tidy, you're wearing yes. a uniform at the no. time. And no. not at this job. No. Okay. This job. So you're you're presentable and all of a sudden, HR, your hair's
1: too wild. Yes. And she really couldn't describe what exactly was wrong with it. The best suggestion that she had to give was, why don't you just go back to wearing it the way it was?
0: Yesterday. Go yes. back to it yesterday. Yesterday yes, was yes. better.
1: Ba- we can handle
0: yesterday. <laughs> My white self can handle yesterday. My white self cannot handle today. You pushed our yeah, limits. Let's be of us clear.
1: The person that had the conversation with me was also a Black woman. Oh, so so that was part of my confusion I'm like well I felt like she should have been able to explain to me what exactly was wrong and she couldn't which of course led me to believe that she was forced to have this conversation with me versus her actually having these feelings herself because otherwise I would hope she could express it better
0: right because if she had an issue she'd go okay Remember how it was smooth here exactly. and then We like smooth here. So if you can just get back to smooth here
1: or, you <laughs> right. know, like whatever, like right. he would right. be able
0: to, as a black woman, to describe the process that needs to happen right. to get to X with X being the gold standard right. of what hair needs to be. Right. So what happened?
1: So I went back, I went back to it, but I felt defeated because- Mind you, this wasn't my first issue. You know, I had one with my parents, which yeah. I don't count the other issues of the other people of the world that I already know. We're talking about issues, this issue whatever. today. Yeah. Right. Like this no, is what we're I'm here not, to talk about. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, you know, I had the issue with my parents that hit home for me. Now this is issue number two that's hitting home for me because I'm already fighting the hair fight with everybody else in the world. Like, so I'm already in full battle mode, but you know, now this is like hitting home because this is work and my work has always spoke for itself. I was always seen in a high regard and I want to continue having that high regard. And so I'm trying to figure out how to navigate the waters because at this point I am noticing that my hair tension. In the way I've been wearing it, it's now starting to take effect. And I do want to switch it up a little bit, not to say I was not never going to wear that hairstyle again, but I needed to kind of bring in some other things and just, I was still embracing being natural. Yeah. I was still learning my hair, you know, for those that aren't familiar, you know, when you go natural from having a relaxer, many times you cut it off. And so Mm when it's going through those phases of growing out at different lengths it's doing different things. Your curl pattern is different. I'm
0: dealing with it. I had a mohawk and now I'm growing it out. (laughs) Yeah. And so now I'm growing it out. I'm like, what is this? How do I handle these things over here? And like, it's all white and this is yellow. I'm like, And, and literally you're fighting with yourself every morning, trying to make it happen. You don't know either. Yeah. And you're, (laughs) and you know, my husband will be like, "Oh, it looks really good today. I'm like, Oh my God, don't say that. Cause that means it's never going to do this ever again. You know what I mean? Like, and so I no, I totally hear what you're saying. And so for listeners, when you put a relaxer on your hair, so if I get a perm, it gets big and curly or wavy curly. Now they have those. Right. But if a, a person of color, a black woman, gets a relaxer, isn't that kind of the equivalent of a perm, but it makes it straight and smooth? Right, so
1: it's okay. the the opposite, opposite absolutely, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. So it makes it straight and smooth, and that's a whole process within itself. <laughs> yeah, yes. right. That's yes. a whole nother story. That's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> yes, go watch Chris Rock's hair. You'll understand. Yes, it. please. Great, great show to <laughs> go watch. You'll job. understand so much about black women's hair.
0: You'll 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 get up to speed. <laughs> yeah, they do a good job. Yes. So now you're trying to like keep. Because when I'm listening to you, I'm like, you know, that's when you go home and you're like, why can't I just show up as me?
1: Like, what's wrong with me? Right. And and that's exactly what happened. You, you question you because like at any job you have appearance standards, they may have something in there that you don't care for, you know, and it might not be a bunch. It may just be one thing, you know, it may just be, I got to wear pantyhose. Right. Right. (laughs) But when you have a few things, it's kind of like you're mentally realizing what this job is costing you. Like, you know, am I okay with this? Do do I show up as my best self every day with this in mind? How comfortable do I feel? And at this point, I'm not feeling as comfortable because I don't even know the reason for the issue. So I don't even know how to get around it to say, okay, well, I can still be me. But I can still meet what they're asking for by doing this. And I don't really know what they're asking for. And so at this point, I'm getting ready to chalk it up to, you know, it's just me having black hair and they're not used to what that looks like. And so I did kind of shift over and I changed hairstylist. That was an effort that I made on my behalf to try to hopefully come up with something that could Meet in the middle where Mm -hmm. they liked it. I liked it. So I switched up hairstyles of how I was wearing my hair and the stylist that was doing it. And I changed hotels and ran into another issue. (laughs) Same company, but different hotel. Gotcha. And ran into another issue that I was like, are you kidding me? Because the issue was the way she made it seem when HR had that first conversation with me is it was wild. And so I did more of what we call protective styles that were braided down to my hair. Not really loose braids, but they were kind of braided down or at least pinned up. Yeah. So that they, they look contained. Right. For lack of a a better term. So that's what I was doing. So this, when
0: you do the braids... That are a uh, uh, close to the scalp. Yes, that is less pull on the delicate hair,
1: so that allows it to grow a little bit more. How does that work? So yes and no. It d- it depends on the technique that okay. is used, but some techniques can do that, and, and it's definitely better for the rest of the hair. Gotcha. The, the edges are, it depends on the technique, if that's good or bad. So you mm-hmm. might have to switch it up a little bit, but the rest of the hair, it is good because it's going to stop it from, you know, knotting and things like that, mm-hmm. that more of your curly hair ends up doing. Yeah. And so, in your mind, you're
0: covered every day you wake yes, up. Yes. It's handled. Yes, I woke up today. My hair yes. is handled. I know what it looks like. It's <laughs> contained.
1: Yes, it's not yes. wild. I yes. there's no frizz. Yes,
0: I've got this <laughs> hairstyle under control. You have now officially checked the hair box. Yes, yes. Or so You're you saying, Go to
1: the airport because it's full of hair pins. <laughs> So now they have to dig all in your hair and everything. So that's a whole nother story.
0: I mean, I can't. I mean, I, this, I, TSA, you need to listen to this. This is not okay. We are agreeing this is not okay. Oh yes, my God. I, went,
1: I went and got my pre-check and clear because to not have to deal with that issue because it, it is, it's a, it's a whole thing. But yes, so I, I was good. I was good for that until I went to my other property and- Wore a hairstyle that had a whole nother conversation with a different HR person. <laughs> so now you've got
0: <laughs> the braids. Like now yes. this is box braids. So, no,
1: so this style that I had this particular time was the column flat twist.
0: So it's where it's twisted back, 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 yes, along it's the to line. The
1: mm-hmm. It's okay. to the scap. And so it was basically coming back into a bun so in cute. the very back of my head. So it's about as professional as you can get while right. having black hair. <laughs> right. <laughs> and not being straight. It's, it's, it's about as professional as you can get. Adorable. And So that's that's the style that I had. And I felt really comfortable in the style. And I was approached by a visiting HR person that worked out of our corporate office and basically letting me know that I was outside of appearance standards. And I was like, wait, hope. That was the first time I had the conversation of outside of appearance standards. You know, the rest I knew was subjective, but this time appearance standards came into it and I am not a rule breaker. And so I so was this like, is what this policy This is policy related. that's what he's referring to at this point. So now we
0: have a, it was a white guy. Yes. Yes. And he's talking, now he's talking policy. This is an opinion. This isn't, hey, this is, you're breaking rules.
1: Yes. Yes. With your fun. I'm having conversation because this is the first I've heard. Of this, And like I said, I, I don't break rules. And I'm one of those people, I read it from top to bottom, I don't skip and I'll, I read it from top to bottom. And I'm like, what rule? Like, where's this? Can you show me in the appearance standards? He couldn't. So let's start there. He couldn't. Mm-hmm. What he said to me was that they're in the process of working on a <sighs> visual appearance standard guide to accompany the written appearance standards and at this point, we had not been privy to this information or even aware that it was something that they were working on. And so he was telling me based on what they were working on in that document. And I was like, well, you must have a new update that's coming out to the appearance standards as well. But he was like, based on that information, you're outside of appearance standards. You need to take this out of your hair. Because- That's that's how he left it. But wasn't it because there
0: was too many parts?
1: Well, I ended up investigating later to find out that's what it boiled down to. So essentially, I was able to talk to our VP of HR a little bit later. I don't know, a couple months, something like that. And um, I had a conversation with her. Luckily, we had a good relationship. I had a conversation with her. And I said, well, this is what was said to me. I was approached. What exactly is wrong? Because I don't understand. I've seen the pictures. All of the pictures don't exactly match up with the appearance standards. Like, what is really the issue so that I know when I'm going to get my hair done, there isn't any issue when I come to work because I pay a lot of money to get my hair done. Because this is no joke, right? <laughs> it's time, it's money, and now we got to go back yes. to the
0: drawing board. I don't have yes. time to do
1: this after 5 yes. o'clock. Right. Absolutely. So, basically, what she said to me is that if your hair has more than one part... Oh, I can't then anything more than that would actually be a violation of appearance standards. Now that is, that's not written or it wasn't written anywhere in the appearance standards, but somewhere along the line, that's what they had deemed appropriate. But it wasn't written anywhere for you to know that. And it, regardless, it would have been absurd and I would have tried to fight it. But, <laughs> but that was the reasoning that I was provided. And anybody could have more than one part and yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean <laughs> I don't think that has anything to do with color. Anyone can have more than one heart. So I was just like, that doesn't make any sense. But it's so racist.
0: Yes. I mean, so I want you to understand the gravity of you telling me this story and how it's lived with me of how I mean it's almost like they should have had like the Shamika and Black people rules policy yes. standard because yes. we're we're making it up right now. We're yes. We're actually, we're drawing it up right now and we're using your hair as the reason and the standard. And this won't affect any of our white colleagues. Right. This is racism. This is not even a microaggression. This is a huge aggression towards people of color, black women, especially, you know, with the braids or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I want people that are listening to understand how completely racist this is, that if you are not making me comfortable as a white person to look at your body, your skin, your hair, and if that makes me uncomfortable, that's my freaking problem. I mean, and I want to go back to the first kind of property that you were at when they said your hair was too wild. And it's funny because there's that part of me that wants to kind of put it in parentheses and go, but 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 her hair wasn't like wild. She didn't have it like in a full Afro and make excuses, right. okay? <laughs> right. but, but we need to even be careful with that. You know, right. as right. I've learned in my journey of this is that to say that this is okay, but this is okay, but this isn't okay. And this isn't okay. That's still racist, okay? And so we need to go, Well, hey, guys, I want you to know that when she was told that her hair was too wild, it was still what would make you guys comfortable, white Mm -hmm. listeners. You Mm -hmm. would have still been okay and you would have still been comfortable and you wouldn't have walked in the property and gone, oh, wow, look, it's an Afro. Because that's still racism. That's still using my white definition of appropriateness, my white definition of beauty and what's acceptable and not acceptable and putting that on someone else, you know, it'd be like the skinny woman that walks in at 112 pounds and wants everyone else to be 112 pounds too. like, that's not okay. That's not okay. And white women understand that I don't need to be 112 pounds. I love right. myself, my curvy way. We get that as white women, but we need to go one step further and say, and so is everything else. Skin color, eye color, hairstyle, hair clothing, headdresses, hair wraps. I mean, I just had a conversation with a gal recently and she's like, I was going into something and I had to sit there and pause and go, is this acceptable for me to wear a hair wrap? And she looked fly as hell. Let me tell you what. I mean, it was unbelievable. The, The jewelry, the whole thing. Yes. Yes. I mean. Uh, Right. But she had to pause and go, am I going to make someone uncomfortable because I'm meeting them for the first time and they don't know me to then be comfortable with my blackness? Holy shit. Amen. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is what we're talking about. This is racism at its finest in corporate, the corporate world of creating policies on
1: the fly.
0: It's just not okay. And that and and
1: that's what happens all the time. I I I mean, that's just the reality. That's what happens all the time. It's the it's the first time I experience it head on because like I said, I'm a rule follower. So Mm -hmm. You know, I I've always done what was quote unquote the right thing to do and try to make everybody feel comfortable, but I did come from a predominantly black community. So there were a lot more things that were acceptable growing up than maybe here, but it's something that happens all the time where people make up the rules as they go. It's not written anywhere. In most cases, sometimes some get brave and they will go and change the rules and regulations to match uh, what they're thinking. But many times it's not. And and that's something that is is very common (laughs) that people of color actually deal with. Yeah.
0: And I mean, like just to hear your story, it's one of a billion Mm -hmm. out there. And that's what I want people to get from today is that this I mean, you're so dynamic and wonderful and have that self-esteem piece, but there's a lot of women out there that don't. And when someone does something that's this corporate racism, okay, it it messes with them.
1: Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm going to go a step further today. Please. This is not something I normally share, but this is me getting my power. It did mess with me mm. and To the point, what you're saying about me being strong and having high self-esteem, I did. I always had high self-esteem. I was raised that way. There was no reason for me to feel otherwise. And for the first time, I realized that I didn't feel good. I couldn't show up as my best self. And so although we're having a hair conversation, there was conversations about clothing too, you know, Mm -hmm. that I feel like had everything to do with my curves. You know, they're my natural curves. I didn't pay anybody for them. I didn't <laughs> do <laughs> any of this stuff. But there were conversations about that as well. When clothing, when you could see, and I don't wear a bunch of tight clothes. I don't. Again, I'm from the Bible Belt South. So <laughs> Conservatives. <laughs> Cover so, it up. But, you know, there were still conversations that came up about it. And I remember talking to one of my really good friends who works for one of the most conservative companies out there you know and she knows how she's supposed to dress and everything I'm having conversation with her and at first she was like well what did you wear like she's (laughs) asking me like what in the world like what girl how'd you show up to realize because I worked for this company for many years she had to realize that it wasn't me as an individual because I was telling her about other scenarios involving other people so it wasn't just me and she was like what kind of company are you working for and and I, I know we're saying that they're racist but let's be clear not everyone show up trying to be a racist no unintentional you know, is very so, very common no yes i think yes.
0: unintentional racism is rampant i think intentional Absolutely. is not very common Absolutely. to be honest
1: with you i, I me too
0: i, <laughs> I really don't too. i don't think me people too. are running around saying the n-word and doing black jokes right, i don't right, i think it's right. this we don't really know what's going on inside of us and we don't really know right we don't have the wherewithal, which is why I'm doing the series to
1: understand. No,
0: dude. Yes. That's
1: racist. Yes. <laughs> it's not okay. So with all of that being said, it did affect my self-esteem Yeah, for a little while. It took me a while to notice it. I didn't yeah. notice it totally, but what I found myself doing is I had work clothes I wore nowhere else. They were just work clothes. I refused. Even if I was going somewhere that I need to dress up business, casual professional, I had to have another set of clothes because if I put on those work clothes, like my demeanor would be different. I would feel different. And I start realizing that it was just like that across the board with so much. And I was like, I'm not able to show up as me. And yeah. I had to go back and dig and dig and, and do a lot of work to get Shamika back.
0: <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. And you know, it's so funny because I just, I actually just finished a call when I hit, you know, to talk to you today. And she and I were talking about how important it is to be ourselves and to be true to ourselves, and to not, And to stop looking to the left and to the right to find who we are Mm -hmm. and if what we're doing is okay. And when we don't be true to ourselves, that is when we see depression, anxiety, low self esteem, you know, drug use, weight gain, whatever it is, because we're literally fighting a battle of knowing who we are, knowing who we are and succumbing to others bullshit. Yes. And when we know who we are and we are not being true to that person by way of clothes, job, makeup, hair, sexuality, whatever it is, mm-hmm. that is when you see a hardening and death. I really, really believe that we die inside. I wholeheartedly agree. And when we die inside, now you're going to see illness cancer heart
1: disease grief lungs these are all the things that are happening to the black community yep all the things that are happening and people say it's disproportionate and they come up with a thousand reasons why but these are all the things <laughs> because
0: they're they're <laughs> they're not see. showing up as themselves they're code switching and I was actually listening to last night a a seminar on the anti-Asian violence that's, you know, going on right now Mm -hmm. and how to really be a part of and learn more about that. And it was interesting to listen to Asian women because a lot of people wouldn't understand that they also do the code switching where they're nice and quiet and polite. And we don't want to cause any waves, but they really want to kill someone in the background because there's there's violence and we're sexualizing Asian women. And we don't really think... Because they're considered the good race, the good, polite people math, were, science, oh, yeah. right? Yes, the good yes. people of color, the acceptable yes. people yes. of color. We And I didn't even realize I knew I was doing this. I've been racist in that space and I didn't even know it. And now I know. And now I'm panicked. But now you have that come to Jesus. But I'm telling you, a lot of people, I mean, I, I I, actually had texted into the group on this call and I said, oh, my God, I asked this woman who was doing my nails. I know. I know. And I said, <laughs> where are you from? But she was speaking an Asian language that I had mm-hmm. never heard before. And she was right. from Mongolia. So it <clears throat> sounded very different. It was a very beautiful, but interesting language. I go, oh, my gosh. And I should have said. That's a beautiful language, what is it? Mm-hmm. But in my racist ass unknown <laughs> self, where are you from? <laughs> Jesus, God, what? Yeah, P.S., <S. laughs> P.S., that was like a year ago. So I mean, like we can make strides. So if you're out there asking people where they're from and talking about Black women's hair, you can be better. Trust me. I've been a disaster before. But but these are things that we're all learning. This is stuff that we're finally talking about Asian women are talking, stop saying, you know, using me as a sexual, whatever, stop looking at my black hair or skin or whatever mm-hmm. culture, or what I'm eating and what I'm doing and whatever I'm allowed. Yes. Screw you. Yes. I don't need to code switch. I need to be me because I'm going to die if I don't. Mm-hmm. And my people are dying yes. because they're not being themselves. We're dying of heart disease rapidly. I promise you it's because they're not being their true self. It's because they're switching and they're watching their tone Mm -hmm. and they're not being angry because it makes white people uncomfortable. And I know I sound like a lunatic to people that are listening that are white. They're like, Meredith, what are you doing? And you know what I'm doing? I'm seeing it for the first time in a long time. And I hope that that what I'm talking about and what Shamika and I are talking about punches everyone in the face. I hope this punches every HR person in the face, every person that hires and fires and deals with a team and deals with employees or friends or whatever it is and goes, Oh my God. We called someone in and did the same thing and they, you know what? No, it's not okay because you're killing people. You are, which we actually kind of have the exact same hair. That's just different. Cause look at, I've got my little poofaloop over here and you've got your poofaloop over <laughs> yes, here. Yes.
1: yes, And and I got my
0: gray. I got my <laughs> And I got my gray too. I'm like all gray in front. I don't even know what's happening, but you know what, your story, your life, your journey, your path, your triumphs and tribulations and struggles. I loved that you were so vulnerable with being treated so poorly by anyone, because that's always really, really difficult to talk about. And I want you to know that I respect you so much for bringing that forward because I think I know that it's stories like yours and people bringing their stories to light that, hey, I'm a college graduate. I went to graduate school. I follow rules. I'm doing everything right. And you're still screwing with me. I'm still mm-hmm. not good enough. And mm-hmm. if I'm not good enough, where are we going? hmm And I want you to know that I know I wasn't in the room that day, but I apologize that you had to go through anything like that. And it's not okay. And that's not who you are. And you are gorgeous. I hope everyone goes to YouTube and sees this beautiful face on this woman. She's going to start being out in front instead of event planning background. And (laughs) no, but seriously, I want you to know that you're really amazing. And I honor you so much for telling me your story. It's changed my life indefinitely because... I am a wacko with my hair. You know, I've had hair like long and short and curly and straight and mohawk and pink and blue. So whatever
1: you feel like.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And and, 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 you know what I mean? And to me, it's very personal Mm self-expression. And so I think we need to start expanding our views of what is acceptable and stop going to this conservative. It has to be X. And so thank you so much for coming here today and sharing your story your life with all of us. I, I love you forever and ever for
1: this. Well, thank you. And I appreciate the opportunity and I appreciate you having these conversations with people and seeking it out. I feel that that's how we're going to get somewhere. We, we need to have some conversations. Some people may not want to have conversations, but I feel like that's how we're going to get somewhere is you understanding someone's experience, why they feel the way that they feel so that you can kind of see things differently, you know, yeah. and we can make different choices.
0: Better choices. And when you were talking, I have to say this, when you were talking about being a rule follower, I know it's scary to be the Rosa Parks, to be that ball busting woman. And I know that's scary. And at at this time it's, it can be dangerous, but you know, to all my Asian listeners out there who are being quiet when they want to yell and to you, when you want to say, there's nothing wrong with my hair, Mm -hmm. you cannot make rules on the fly. We need to look at our four women who got us to today and change the world and know that sometimes we need to get out and yell and scream and say no more because it's going to be through us changing we need to sit in the front of the bus and at you know the, the the lunch counter and we need to change because of us we're that powerful and we can do it so thank Absolutely. you so much Absolutely. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. And I, I I, can't wait to just watch your amazing story go out into the world and let everyone hear. So thank you so much for being here. And thank you for sharing your story. You've been amazing. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect on a more personal level, head over to Meredith or on Instagram at Meredith with a Y for behind the scene footage and outtakes. Please subscribe and come back each week for more Meredith with a Y. Thanks again for listening. Cheers.